has left, the loved ones, friends are left uh, really heartbroken and left really asking the questions while the person who committed suicide is gone. I, I had it, it, it hit our own family here in America Out Loud, as you might recall, this past year. We had one of our uh, hosts for the, uh, had her own show uh, committed suicide on the platform here. So it's a, it's a topic that's hit us very personally here at America Out Loud. It's really running rampant in the young people. I mean, between 15 and 34, actually, this is the second leading cause of death. Uh, this this is it, suicide. People are taking their life. Uh, the pressure becomes too much. They don't really think they have another answer. And they take what I would call, what they think is the easy way out. Of course, in reality here, it's a sickness, in my opinion. And I think that uh, it's a coward's way out, quite frankly. In fact, like I said, it happened to a very personal friend in my life. that, uh, And I, I was very angry with her after she did it. I, I thought this, you know, this it's not right. She leaves her children and family and others, I mean, heartbroken. Well, the big question on everyone's mind, it's a gender thing, or is it? World peace, religion, sex, money, politics, climate change, big business, big ideas and big egos. Nothing is off limits. As I'm joined by some of the most accomplished and highly opinionated women from the far left, the far right, and the far reaches of the planet. This is Malcolm Out Loud, and you're listening to Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure. Well, Colin Walsh is a data scientist at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. His work is in predicting suicide risk, and it actually gives people the opportunity to ask, what can I do? In other words, how do you get help while there's still a chance to intervene? And, and that's something we all think about after, because once the suicide act has happened, you kind of start going through your mind, like, oh, man, what could I have done different? Could I have changed that outcome? Sure, I, I mean, I've done that myself with somebody that was uh, knew very, very well. Well, Walsh and his colleagues have created a machine learning algorithms that predict the unnerving accuracy. I mean, they're predicting this thing with amazing accuracy, the likelihood that a patient will attempt suicide. Wow. <laughs> that is wild. So, uh, so the whole sense of this talk today is artificial intelligence can it really recognize suicidal signs? Going to be interested in having this talk today here. Joining us at the top of the show, our co-host, Jenna Smith, is with us. She's a psychotherapist, a coach, a human being expert. She's a creator of You Are the Manual self-development program, and I'm sure this is a topic she has wrestled with, I would imagine, uh, in her work as, as a teacher in this, uh, as a psychotherapist. Missy Crutchfield is here. She's the co-founder of Gandhi's Bee Magazine and of Gandhi Global Center for Peace. Linda Martinelli is an entrepreneur, owner, and president of Proformer Graphic Print Source. It's good to have all the co-hosts here today. And so this this dude here, ladies, Colin Walsh, uh, or Colin Walsh here. See, he's a data scientist at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. So he's got this new uh, machine that learns it's uh, the algorithms, and they say it's like 80, 90 percent, up to 90 percent. In some cases here, I'm seeing the numbers say in 92 percent accuracy, they feel within the next two years. Uh, and this is a pretty extensive study they did, which looks very, very promising, which brings me to the question, 
What is it that this machine, this artificial intelligence, is finding? Because that's, that's an age-old question we ask. Like, what's the similarities of why people do that? I mean, how do you get to that really such a dark place in your life that you're willing to take yourself out? And I wonder how many people out there that have even thought about it and not acted on it. And I wonder if that's like, Jenna, I want to ask you right up front here. What do you yeah. think? I mean, is this something like the, the, the conversation of suicide itself? I mean, take a guess for me. If you were to take a, just a roundabout guess, what percentage of the population do you think, at just at one moment or another in their lifetime, think about suicide enters their mind? Well, I think it would be really high um, because it's the, this feels like I'm never going to get over it. And then that's where the brain goes. It's like, oh, we can end our life. So it isn't, doesn't make you crazy to have suicidal ideations. So I like I, at high 80s. I would I would assume it would be high 80s because at some point, some human being is going to feel completely helpless and hopeless, and then the mind will just start thinking of ways to get out of pain. It's uh, it's it's an unbelievable conversation, Missy Linda. Have uh, be honest here. Have either of you ever considered suicide in your life? I have not considered suicide in my life. I'm a little bit with you in that I. I I have had the feeling that it's a selfish act, but I, I also have been affected by it. Um, last year I was at a dinner party and there was a gentleman there, not, not a good friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine, that we, we had a wonderful dinner party, about uh, six couples. Mm -hmm. And that night, and, and by the way, everything was happy and laughing and wonderful. And that night he committed suicide and I was shocked and it made me think about this a lot more and kind of do a little bit of, of um, searching about it. And, and I really learned a lot of things that, that are really interesting and hopefully we can get into today. So Linda, that evening when he was at the dinner mm -hmm. party, you're, I think you're saying, and I'm curious now, probably Jenner and Missy are too, but did you detect anything at all that would have indicated that this guy might take his life that night? Nothing, right? Anything come to your mind? Absolutely nothing. And nor did the people there that were his very, very closest friends, right. and nor did his wife who Never was there. Never detected anything. Never detected nothing. anything. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. It's, it's mind-blowing. But, but in 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 hindsight, as you know, we can all see twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. He did leave a note, and he had pre-planned this for some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. I because it happened in my life with somebody. I'll share with you in a moment. Missy, how about yourself? Well, I I think there's probably many more people than than it would admit that at times it's been so dark and so uh, their their life so challenged that they just go. God, take me out of this. I'm ready when you are. I know when I was having uh, some, and I wrote about this with uh, Dr. Andrea Pennington's new book release, Time to Rise. Malcolm, you're in this as well. Uh, submitted a beautiful story and, um, you know, on, on rising above your challenges, experiences that could and, and have taken other people down and you rise above and, and then sharing these things in hopes of inspiring, uh, inspiring being an inspiration to others. Um, so that we all lift each other up. But yeah, I mean, being a single parent, a male, strong willed child and all of the politics and issues that my family were being exposed to back over a little over a decade ago. And you just come home and, you know, everybody's in the media and just all the ugliness out there and you just can't escape anymore. Facebook, social media and, and the hate and you're going, why are people so 
you know, ugly. I just, God, I'm ready anytime, lift me out of this. But it's interesting. Um, and Winston Churchill has a nice um, quote. It's one of my favorites. If you're going through hell, keep going. Mm. And so I said to myself, <laughs> how can, how can I lift up? How can I use this? You know, that which doesn't kill you truly does make you stronger. And that led to my deeper work in human rights and actually going to Israel, Palestine. I felt like, um, I, you know, if I can handle this here, I can go to the Middle East and fight right, for peace. Right. But, but, but let me, Missy, but let me just circle back. You yourself, had you ever been in a dark place enough that you would have considered it? That's what I'm saying. And not actually considered it. My spirituality is so strong, but you come home and you're like, God, you know, if there's, if there, if you're ready to take me, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, I don't believe in part of our work is trying to, right. you know, ele- elevate awareness that you, you can't escape you can't escape by taking your life you don't know you may you know if you believe in reincarnation you may come back and have to deal with something even worse or if you believe god you believe that god is going to lift you up that you just have to focus on the light and not the dark so it's it's deeply ingrained in my spirituality but absolutely i've had time so hard i'm like if i if i don't wake up tomorrow i'm gonna be okay with that well you thought that way but you never thought you'd act on it you're saying Uh, no no No. okay so you never really was in the act of thinking about it or committing suicide you haven't and linda you haven't and jenna yourself did have you ever no no but i i assumed you remembered but my father committed suicide in 2011 tell us that tell us about that please yeah so we did a show with beverly on suicide and the teen suicide epidemic um with that netflix show that i can't remember 13 reasons why 13 reasons what a strong program that was jenna yes so and and so when people when people are saying things like coward and selfish and um, it's like I know my dad was he had mental illness he was had bipolar he had severe trauma growing up he just was done like he was just done I have to be honest there's some element of me that misses him but the other element of me is like like relieved on some level that his pain is done. Because he was, he had physical debilitating pain from two car accidents oh, and accident work. Trump yeah. saw three people killed like horrifically at work, and then his work didn't even take care of him. He barely had money for groceries. They didn't pay him his paychecks for the the human resources department at this company, at uh, Salt Mine in Goderich. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say their name, but you know they completely abandoned him. And so mm. there are certain circumstances that. You're just genuinely like, there's no way up from here. Like he had to go back to work or he had to do this or where would he get his money? Jenna, may I ask you, how old was he? Oh, how old was he? 54? Oh, dear. Young guy. Yes, yes. Wow. Wow. And and this happened not too long ago, you say? 2011, we had a F3 tornado in Goderich. And he was at work at the salt mine, which is right on the lake. So when it when the tornado came up off of the lake, he's, his friend of 25 years was crushed with an item, uh, some big piece of metal, and he was just standing there. So he had extreme survivor's, survivor's guilt and held on in an F3 tornado. Like he held on. Wow. Passed. So he, all of his tendons and everything were all ripped and torn. Um, so he had extreme pain. And I remember seeing him after and wondering if he was okay. And he just kind of kept looping. Like, oh, I'm going to go out with my friend. And then, no, no, I'm staying home. Oh, no, I'm going to go out with my friend. And no, no, I'm staying home. And so I knew right then something just 
shifted. So there are things that I think can break people. And yes. he genuinely didn't have the support system. And I think his life was just so like thing after thing after thing that at that point he was really done. Like I'm sure he considered suicide before well, or Jenna, attempted. The fact before. that he was so young, I mean, that's an incredibly young age. But again, people uh, commit suicide in their 20s and 30s and teens. So I mean, the yeah, age teens, is not yeah. an area here. But, but the point is yes. that he was still a pretty young man. So yeah. I want to circle around this point with you, please, uh, having that you put it out there with us. Uh, um, let me ask you, uh, so you don't, I think you don't consider him a coward in that way. You took, you take offense to no. that a little bit, don't you? I just think it's uh, an assumption that comes from a place that genuinely isn't knowing all the facts about people's lives. So it's like, it's lacking empathy, I believe, because I you look at the children and you look at this, and you're like, oh, look what they did. However, you know, what's going on with them that they've been doing it all for the family their entire lives and they just feel completely empty and like there's no way they can go on the next day. Like that's really how I put my myself in someone's shoes and I think they feel like I can't, I don't have the energy to do the next step, the next thing. And to um, Linda, your friend, you know, the energy it takes to put up the veneer to get along in society and not tell yeah. anybody you have anything going on. Right. That's part of the problem. Right. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Hi, how are you? Let's eat some dinner. Like, <laughs> it's not okay. Glass of wine, that anybody? Is, <laughs> yeah. And that, that is why the, this this research is, to me, is just so incredibly important and, and wonderful that, that we might have an opportunity to catch some of these things because... Um, you know, four times as many men commit suicide as women. Yeah. And 90% yeah, right. of those who commit suicide, you know, they have some history of drug or alcohol abuse. Mm. There, there's, there's 14 different points in a suicide risk assessment yeah. that if they can look at these things ahead of time um, and, and get some, some help for people. My, my mother had a stroke um, at a fairly young age and the, a stroke changes the, um, I guess, the chemical things going on in your brain. And she became, you know, pretty helpless feeling and feeling that her life wasn't worth living. She never did attempt suicide. And I think that that's because we had a very strong family there to support her. But it, I mean, there are so many different reasons. There was a young girl uh, just from the Las Vegas shooting that uh, I, I don't remember her age, but she was a young teen who's friend died there and she watched her die and she just committed suicide there there's just so many different yes things going on that if we can help and i mean just god bless this man for his research to care enough to to make a difference here well let's talk more about that research uh before we do that i just want to ask um jenna when mm -hmm. linda had mentioned at the dinner party she had no idea no concept no i mean just couldn't even tell um, mm -hmm. I want to ask you, did you have any idea that your dad would do that? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I'm a therapist. I mean, it's and it wasn't oh, it wasn't a he was hanging by a thread in every possible way, like his mm -hmm. his physical pain, his emotional pain, um, the prospects for his life, you know, like looking forward okay. were so bleak that I actually I mean, highly intuitive. My brother suffers from mental illness and heavy drug use. And I had an intuition one of them would die that year. And it's a weird intuition. It's not, you know, people say intuition is such a positive thing, but you you do intuit the the not so happy things. So right. when I heard he died, he wasn't sick, he wasn't anything. I was sort of shocked. And then there was a 
crime scene tape my mom left me with the worst imagery ever she's like oh apparently there's blood everywhere and there's crime scene tape and and I still didn't know what happened so I'm like was he killed was there something like I don't know and then I eventually called the police officer and he told me he had taken his own life with an exacto knife and that was that so it was he decided like it was so in your case you've seen the build-up you really it, it didn't it, you weren't completely taken surprised no. with that okay that result okay but i also seen behind the curtain of his life i think right. if if you go to the bar and you say hey do you think bill would would just go on off like off himself that's how they would speak at the bar right, right. <laughs> and uh they would say no because he was so gregarious and friendly right, and he right right flowers for the girls at the bank like it's right. the veneer, and then there's the behind the scenes. And well, we Jen, just... I, I want to ask you further now. Do you think that this this new discovery, this uh, Colin Walsh, this uh, gentleman from Vanderbilt University Medical Center who has this new artificial intelligence, which is, again, look at the stats here, ladies, that the remarks, the success it's having. Could that have helped someone like your dad, do you think, if he had been, if mm -hmm. he had gotten that, uh, could he have gotten treatment, do you think? And... No. I mean, I think it's it's nice to think that this would help. I think it'll help a lot of the teens. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of teens that, and we did the show with Beverly, if people want more information on that, like mm -hmm. the way their brain works and they haven't quite developed yet. And that if they had someone reach out from nowhere, I don't know if I'm reading the right link. Is it about, it's a Facebook algorithm that they'll see sensitive topics and then they'll be well, that's sort of flagged. Well, that's another piece of this that we will talk about in just a moment. That's oh, where they, okay. yeah, they, Facebook is doing this. Um, uh, they're 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 actually in on it. They're running. Uh, of course, Facebook is uh, all over your life. I mean, they're checking everything out again. Oh. You know, I refer to them as <laughs> I, re I refer to them as Satan's network intentionally. But uh, <laughs> so I mean, they're you know they're trying to supposedly quasi. And I put my fingers up when I say this, friends. They're supposedly doing some good. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me, excuse that would be another show, right? That's another show. That's another show. Yeah. Uh, okay. But supposedly, they're, yeah, they're, uh, AI for risks. Right, 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 right. This is this big, uh, this big study with Vanderbilt. But uh, there's, it, it's interesting, Jenna, um, and and I'm curious because, as Linda said, I'm trying to determine. Like we always say, we're surprised. You really weren't surprised with your dad. You, no. I got the sense from you with your dad that you thought it was just his time. You've resigned yourself to knowing that it was his time that he he. he it had... was still a little surprise, but I right. think again because of my spiritual connection. Right. Um, I mean, it might sound weird. I felt closer to him after when wow. he wasn't bound to all of this pain in his body. Isn't like there that was interesting. freedom. Not to encourage people to go out and do that, but there was like he had so much pain. And right. so I think the study and the AI, I think that's cool. I don't know how optimistic I am about some AI thing because well, I can tell. I, I would have said the same thing, except when yeah. you look at the stats. And, and, and Linda, you, it seems to me like you've studied some of these stats a little bit. I'd like you to talk on that in a moment here. But let me say this as well, Jenna. You've mentioned two couple times, a couple, three times now about Beverly's show. I need to tell folks what you're speaking about is uh, one of our shows on America Out Loud, our health coach, Beverly Butler. Her show is called The Misdiagnosed Life. So I need to give you that other piece of the puzzle because they don't really know what you're saying when you say Beverly. Uh, 
Uh, that's uh, the show that Jenna was a uh, uh, a guest on, uh, I guess, with Beverly. She's been on several times with Beverly Show. Uh, you're pretty featured there a few times, right, Jenna? On topics yep, and stuff. Yep, yeah, which times, is how yeah. we got introduced initially with you becoming a co-host on Life Liberty. Um, but you've done some pretty profound work there. What we'll do is we'll put the links to uh, that what you're speaking about in this post when it does get mm -hmm. to the. Um, uh, the platform uh, for sure in the meantime you'll you know you're hearing us on talk radio and and um but you know you're searched by again uh jenna uh, jenna smith on the platform her those uh, uh posts will come up uh, with beverly the misdiagnosed like beverly does amazing work i mean she's incredible yeah um she's doing all kinds of really awesome things um out there and helping folks i've learned so much from her jenna and her shows it's incredible you know that's uh, awesome i, really I did I wanted to just make a note of the mental health industry because I have had clients. Now I see clients that are a risk of suicide of all the time and um, they don't see any way to get genuine help. And then when they get help, people are just trying to fix them or figure them out and they can feel that they're deeply sensitive people. I think that, that are led to things like drug addiction and alcoholism because they're deeply sensitive. They feel deeply. So there's this really inherent problem, at least in Canada. I, and I'm, might be probably worse in the states but you could walk into um, we have a center for mental health and you could say i need some help mm -hmm. and if you're not suicidal now they're like well there's this this group over here and this group over there so if you're not like dire in like you need help now they there's no place for help so that's the problem. It's, <laughs> like, it's, it's cut and dry, I see. Yeah. yeah. You, know, I you know what I thought you were going to say? Uh, that uh, if, there, if there's no help for you now, uh, then uh, there won't be any either. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's like that the exit plan terrible. or something. Listen, hold it right there, friends. We're going to be right back uh, and uh, with uh, Jenna, Missy, and Linda in just a moment here. Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health. Sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age, and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep. But it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older, until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multinutrient system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampapa. Award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call 844-869-9958. The goal is to deliver a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world to unite people from all backgrounds and beliefs in an effort to advance humanity. News blogs, informative podcasts, and entertaining videos. It's AmericaOutloud.com, where the conversation never ends. With 24-7 streaming on our free apps on both Android and Apple. Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are back with you here. This is Malcolm Out Loud, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Pleasure, Season 2, friends. And uh, listen, the show every day, 5 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time. The encore is at 11 p.m. She catches anywhere in the world, and uh, we have a, actually, believe it or not, a double encore now. It plays at 9 a.m. GMT for all our European listeners, so catch us there. And uh, thanks for being part of this uh, program here. I'll tell you what, this also, all of the work we do, all of the episodes through the season go to podcast, and you can get them on iTunes. But listen, you got to do me a favor. Get on there and rate and review and subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, and they'll come right into your feed. And then you can uh, never miss an episode and listen in when you, uh, you need to be cheered up a little bit maybe, huh? And let's see if we can jump into this, back into this topic here today. It's a big topic we're talking about today. But listen... So when we talk about these personal stories uh, early on, the question is, can this really help folks? Because I, I'm wondering, do you think it would have helped the gentleman you mentioned at the dinner party that night? And what, and what do you think more about this whole, whole thing, uh, Linda? Well, I think, and, and I think he's a doctor, Malcolm. I'm not quite sure, but I think it's Dr. Walsh. And I'm not, I, I, because I think he practices as well. So he, when he did his studies, he did them on patients in, in hospitals, so cancer patients and people that might lose hope um, because of their physical conditions. This is where the initial study was, and now he's moving it into other areas. But in suicidality, there's, there's a number of factors that, that play into it, and the, his study showed that he can, he can isolate these factors and kind of pick out who might be the candidate for a suicide in the near future. And I think that that's hugely valuable because my friend at the party um, showed no, no outward signs, not to his wife, not to his family, not to his friends. However, he had pre-planned this to the minutest detail. So his, his problem was that he had been diagnosed with cancer, but it was not a fatal cancer. And he was being treated, and the drugs that they were treating him with were having an effect on his sleeping and so forth. Had he had this kind of study in the hospital, they could have seen that he uh, was so distraught about it that he was suicidal. But because nobody picked up on it, he went and completed the act. And there's completers and attempters, and he was obviously a completer. Do, but, do we do we know the factors, mm-hmm. uh, Linda? Do we know the factors that they look at when they do this? Do you have? Do they say that in there? I do. I yes, they they do. There's so here's where it comes to my mind, Malcolm, um, because I know a little bit more about it. Is jail suicides? So in when when you're admitted to a jail, they do a suicide risk assessment. And a suicide risk assessment has 14 components to it. And it's just because of time, we I'm not going to say all the all of them, but um, over 90% have a history of abusing drugs or alcohol. They have a history of depression. So they're socially estranged. They're estranged from their family or their significant others. Um, they have prior suicide in the family. That's an indicator. Um, there's generally a precipitating moment. So a trigger, maybe they lost their job. Maybe they're bankrupt. Maybe they're going to be incarcerated. Um, something Maybe they've had a diagnosis. Something bad has happened to make that precipitating event. And then, of course, feelings of helpless, helplessness, hopelessness, despair, that there's no way out, and you know, possibly a pre-existing health condition. Those are, those are just some of the, the, um, the risk assessments. But it's like, a, it's like a big soup that what percentage of these things are affected. And this is what his algorithms pick out is is the 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 total mix of these signs and symptoms that 
that then determines if somebody really would be suicidal. And 68% of all completers, um, they, they have some sort of a indicator of suicidality verbally, behaviorally, or in writing within, you know, the prior 30 days to their actually completing suicide. So there, and, there and are... And URI's people may not discover or find Linda, but... Ex- the, but exactly. The, but this intelligence is able to see that, huh? And yes, and and here's here's some areas, Malcolm. Besides the people in the hospitals, if he can expand this, um, if if you take people, we we have a number of suicides in jails, and and even though the people when they enter jail they go through this testing, people still do commit suicide in jails. And when that happens, you have you always have lawsuits. So it's somebody's fault that that person committed suicide. Somebody didn't do their job properly. And police officers are not—they're um, not doctors. They—they they are not psychologists. They don't have that kind of uh, skill level. And if we could have this type of testing on people before they enter jail, I just think it would. First of all, it would save lives, and secondly, it would save um, the people working in the jails from going through the lawsuits and the traumas and so forth that that they have to endure. Because it's not just one person who's involved in a suicide. There's there's family and friends and the guilt and uh, lawsuits and all types of bad things well, that Linda, happen. Well, i got to be honest with you. Some of them in jail I could care less about. I wish they would commit suicide <laughs> and save us the tax money. I'm sorry, but... Um... Well, you know, this is, this is part of, I think, the issue is that we are so plugged into competition and plugged into our what what makes us different and focusing on hate that that we've lost the 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 heart of the community we've lost our hearts we've we're we're focused on anger and 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 people think you know the myth is people think as we you know close in on the holidays that uh, more suicides are committed during the holidays but that's that's actually not true it's that not true. it's lower during the holidays because mm-hmm. families are engaged people stop to look each other in the eye they stop to share warmth and kindness and giving and and we've got this wonderful new data and maybe facebook and whatever algorithms and statistics can help you know focus more on who and how many are going to perhaps kill themselves in the future but if we if if we don't do anything to change why they are and just look at the data then we're going to see the numbers increase well let me ask so you missy is, is it let me ask you this Let's stop there a moment first of all is it facebook's position that do do we want them uh, in, in, in interfering into our business on that level? I mean, they already know far too much. Now they're going to know because if you want to take. I mean, come on. This we is, give them our power. We are handing I know, over. I know, but I don't like it. Money and our well, if you don't like it, then don't use it. I don't use it. I think it's garbage. I think it's Satan's <laughs> network. Well, you know, it's great, great, uh, great things can be good and and uh, and bad, but it's certainly become great. It's how we use it. You know, my Facebook page is used to raise awareness about human rights and compassion and, you know, earth awareness and those things like that. But then I turn and I look at other news feed and other, you know, pages and I'm going, why are they talking so much about their families and their personal information and giving all of this? But, you know, we just have to wake up. It's, That's and exactly take, the take point, Missy. They're putting too much out there. Missy, yeah, much. they are. My and I'm, I'm horrified that, that they talk about they they talk about wow. committing suicide on Facebook. Oh, yeah. And nobody and nobody does anything. Right. So I'm right. I'm all for Facebook doing that. But here's where I would love to see this this technology used. 
that what breaks my heart more than anything is a teenager who takes their life. They don't have the coping skills yet to understand how to cope with life distresses at times. So if, if we could use this algorithm, if, if I'm a parent and I have a child that maybe has depression or, or has some things going on that, you know, as a parent, I look and I say, you know, something's wrong here. Something's not right. If I could somehow use this tool and I, of course, I'd have to sign a waiver because nothing is exact and nothing's a hundred percent and, and see if my child has the propensity to commit suicide in the near future, I would sure want to know that and get them help. And that that's where I think that this down the road can be an extremely helpful tool. Um, just, just keep well, our, our kids safer. I used to run a, a city department and we led out, we were, were the first really in Chattanooga, Tennessee to lead out when I ran this department under Mayor Littlefield several years ago. And we we had a bullying uh, campaign that talked about the peer pressure. You have to address peer pressure as much as bullying. And so many young people, eighth graders and to college students killed themselves over um, over being bullied because they were gay. And when you're, you're, there are lots of signs over bullying. So you're looking at the suicide prevention and the, and the connections to bullying and and just those it's it's you know as a parent there are signs your child with, is withdrawn um, you 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 understand this so yes these again this research is important but until we engage our hearts and community and compassion and say why are we bullying why why are we making fun of people because of their sexual preference or the color of their hair or whatever so we've got to we've got to engage our hearts in education and in community Gandhi uh, Gandhi's grandson Arun Gandhi who co-founded Gandhi Global Center for Peace with me um, says that that we've we've missed in education the heart that we teach education we teach all of these things and we arm our kids with all of this knowledge but we've unplugged the heart and the compassion from it so we've got to start teaching compassion and when we do that we'll value the family and the community and the relationships and then it will go down yes but it has to be simultaneous important yes yes it's, you it's can't all, do one without the other because exactly. everybody is not I'm going to be that. loving I'm, I'm I'm saying that I'm saying but if the community mm -hmm. focuses on love and compassion and, you know, look for these signs and we get information out. And by the way, we would be remiss if we didn't put the suicide prevention hotline, Malcolm, out on this um, during the show, because someone may be listening to this that, that may have suicidal tendencies. So that's 1-800-273-TALK, which is 273-8255, suicide prevention hotline. Yeah, in fact, if you go, when you go to America Out Loud, if you put in the search bar, uh, suicide, we've done, a, we've done some extensive work on this, Missy, believe it or not. And I'm sure. a, lot, a lot of our other uh, co-hosts and some of, them, uh, some of our hosts are um, psychotherapists. We have, we have several on the platform. And we have, um, and, and we always put the research at the, the bottom of each thing we put for further insight. And there are um, a lot of research and background and numbers for uh, suicide. You're exactly right. And a lot of good information and shows for 12, on this topic. So. 12 people harm themselves for every reported suicide death. I, I don't think there's anyone that hasn't been touched by this issue in their lives. Um, it, and there's so many reasons, be it physician-assisted suicide or deep mental health issues, deep depression. Um, you've lost everything or your your life, you feel like it's over. I mean, there's so many reasons why it touches our lives. We hear about celebrities. We hear about Kurt Cobain, who ended his life with a gun. Robin Williams 
hanged himself. You know, authors, uh, Ernest Hemingway, Don Cornelius Soltring, you know, these all in different reasons and, and they took their life for different different methods. Um, but it's it's touched all of our lives and it's time, I think it's very good we're right, talking about that. The, uh, all right, let, let's touch on the suicide assisted, uh, you, you mentioned. Do you, uh, are you against that, Missy? Missy? No, I'm not actually. I'm You're not. What? I'm not against it. Okay, so you believe people should have the right, right? I, I, I do. I think that it's it's mitigating. If, if you have a life threatening and you're going to go through all incredible pain and right. for a few days or or a year and, and go through all of your family's finances and all of the pain and and every and just drag out this misery and your time is clearly up. You're not a young person. You're not a healthy person. You're not not somebody that just needs to be, you know, OK, let's get through. Let's 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 hunker up here. This and and then then, yeah, I do. I think that it's it's a choice. And I think that uh it shouldn't be illegal. Linda, should somebody have the right to do that in assisted suicide? Remember, wow, well, you know Kevorkian, that's that's a Kevorkian, was it? Kevorkian? Yeah, that's a. Well, I didn't like yeah. Kevorkian, but that's a conflict for me because you know, being brought up Catholic, we don't believe in in suicide of any type. However, just being who I am and being a logical person, um, I I would have to say that if you have a terminal illness and you are in a lot of pain and there is absolutely no hope, right. um, that 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 has to be your own personal decision with you and your family. Jenna, how yeah. about you? What do you think about the uh, assisted suicide? I am absolutely for it because the thing that's keeping the people alive, keeping us alive, is all machines and everything. So you really look at those ethical conversations and religious conversations and say, well, they would have just passed on. Right. Because their body gave out and because these right. machines keeping their body alive and in pain and costing so much money. I mean, it seems unnatural. Uh, at a certain point, so, so everybody I, I here on the, everybody on the show, pretty. I, it sounds like. Each, How about you, Malcolm? It sounds like each one of you uh, believe that uh, assisted suicide is okay. Well, listen, I, I've got I've got a lot of friends, Christian friends on the right, who believe. In fact, we have people on this platform who believe it's completely taboo. You should not be in a position to take your own life. That it's God who should decide when and where you leave the planet. And there are many who believe that and very passionate about that. I've had some pretty heated conversations about this. Um, and a lot of it when it came to the national dialogue here when Kevorkian was, was Roman and he was assisting people with that, that became national major, major headlines. You might remember, ladies, you know. Um, yes. But, you know, as, as Jenna Smith, as our psychotherapist here in the group says, I mean, hey, listen, I mean, if somebody's at that point of their life and, um, and they – if that's their will, it's all about will. It's about their will to live. And how do you stop somebody from really accomplishing their will? I mean, you say, well, if they're old and debilitated or sick or cancer or something else, well, again, that's your opinion. That's, you know, could be somebody in a different boat that just doesn't want to be here anymore. And of course, if somebody really doesn't want to be here, they could act upon it and take themselves out. And what are you going to do about it? I mean, so I, it's a hard one, Linda. Do I, I, I think that, um, you know, it's, I don't know, it's touched me. You have to ask, ways. Malcolm, you have to ask, why do they not want to be there if they don't feel loved? Do they feel well, like... Well, as Jenna said, it could be, or... could be a lot of reasons, right? I yeah. mean, as you said, as Jenna said, it could be a lot of reasons. It could be pain, like her dad, and suffering, and struggling. And right, right. It could be financial reasons. Well, in could be whole... case, I wouldn't agree with it, because that would be unnatural, because he was healthy. But in, a, like, 
as far as I know, the physician assisted suicide goes through an entire realm of things to right. determine that the only thing keeping them alive is the tech. Yes. Keeping exactly. them alive. That's where I right. feel that nature. If you is- can save the person, if we can save the person, if there's a life to be lived, if there's time, if, if it's just getting through a moment, if it's so, if it's wake up and, and get past this dark, everything can be okay. Just, you know, that it's not this deep mitigating, you know, it's cancer, it's you have two weeks to live and you're going to go through all this. I mean, there's, there's, you know, lots, lots of different uh, ways that people can, can, can deal, can deal with this. Jenna's, Jenna's father uh, is, is different than, than, than Dr. Kevorkian assisted physician assisted suicide but you have to take it case by case so you know what we want to do is try to with the prevention hotline that's that's one thing where these young people or somebody who feels like their life is over because they lost their job or they lost a family member now I can't live mine well we can wake them up out of it we can we can share loving become an extended family or whatever but with the with the people who are terminally ill that's that's another thing and then the church of course is another another argument but I love what Linda said that even though the Catholic Church's point of view is 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 that it's a it's a taboo it's a it's a religious no no that you know these are these are deeply personal uh, decisions and why would somebody want to drag a family member who's not even aware um, in a coma or just just suffering so deeply for a few days going through tons of money and and life savings only to live you know and then that person doesn't want that for their own life so it's it still person- has to be their choice. Though. Yeah, I mean, we can't. I don't think we can make the choice for somebody. Well, and I wasn't but, saying for us yeah, too. No, I know. But with suicide, but with suicide, it's never one thing, and it's never one factor. It's it's a mix of factors that cause somebody to to commit the final act. And this algorithm will will help figure that mix out and and see who's really really at risk. And I think that that can only be a plus. There's never yes. anything that's a yes. panacea and that's going to fix everything. Right. And I the other tool that I would like to see is um, the the suicide risk assessment. If there are people in people's lives that that could be helped because we understand what that suicide risk assessment is. In other words, if I if I know what these 14 components are of the risk assessment, I'm better able to recognize it in friends or family. Now, there, there's two kinds of suicides, right? There's, there's planners and there's um, spontaneous, and you're probably not going to catch a lot of the spontaneous people because it's spontaneous. But the planners are, are really the ones that that you're going to be helping with this algorithm and with the suicide risk assessment. So there, there's a couple things we have to do. We, we use his study um, in every way that we can to, to mitigate the risk. And we educate ourselves by knowing what the signs and symptoms are and not ignoring them in those that we love or care about. You know, I want to take it a bit further because I think when I work with my clients, I work on helping people feel their feelings mm-hmm. and helping people hold a sense of stability while feeling deep feelings. And we're not taught that. So I think in a lot of these cases, even when people go to speak to another person, that person then feels overwhelmed by what the person's sharing. And then that shuts the, per- the person who's sharing these deep feelings. So I, I really do think like data and mitigating um, all of the risk is good. I do think we all need to, as you were saying, um, 
messy. Like, it's not going to happen right away. I love Brene Brown's work in vulnerability and shame. And shame is key to suicide as well. Is that feeling mm -hmm. that you are unworthy and right. that you are wrong um, uh -huh. will lead to that. But we, uh, we, we repress and deny those feelings so much that no one wants to hear about it because it makes them uncomfortable. So there's really like, we do need to get into our bodies and our feelings and learn how, that's why I say I'm a human being expert because it's not rocket science. We're in a body. We have feelings. Like we have a brain, like right. we're connected to spirit. Like let's make this simple here. If we learn to feel our feelings, that takes us to a whole other level of being able to move through these dark times and be like, Oh, I'm feeling shame. But, but oh, Jenna, here's the thing, Jenna, if you're hiding a lot of this in the case when Linda says, well, this could have helped the man at that, dinner. That would be for that yeah. because we're in such a disconnected state that right. data would help with this. Like right. we have to work with what we have. That would be great because well, the awareness would be the first step. With these algorithms and what this man is doing, to me, it sounds interesting in theory, but I'm not sure in the practical world how it works. What do you do? You're at a dinner party, Linda, like you, and you got the people there to say, you know, and you don't know. You just said you had no idea. So what do you say? Hey, Fred, I need you to take this test to see how the algorithms look. <laughs> uh, you know, no, his a... doctor could have given it to him. The well, doctor how the hell that would the he doctor know if the guy's holding the thing. See, that's where I think this is a fallacy. If the guy is holding the feelings inside of himself, or the lady is, how is anybody going to know? I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe in the case of Jenna, if this, if, if the dad or relative or somebody was, you know, there were some real problems around that where you could have guessed that something was going on. Okay, got it. But like in my case, my dear friend Kelly Murphy, Iron Man Kelly Murphy, was an Iron Man triathlete uh, several times. Uh, and she was a host on a show on this platform in America Out Loud. And, you know, I had dinner with her, uh, this lady, uh, a week before she committed suicide. Not far oh. from your thoughts, Linda. Like, you know, what I have known, I didn't have a freaking clue. So what was I going to say? Say, oh, Kelly, yeah, let's, I want to, I want you to get a test of algorithms to see if you're thinking right. I had no idea. This, like Jenna said, I mean, these people hide it so well. So the people yeah. we really want to help are the good people out there who are hiding it. And Kelly hid it. Nobody knew. And she left kids on the, I mean, she left teenagers. She had so much life to live. The work she was doing was incredible. And she was all about this phony, about how fabulous life was and how she called it the fearless factor. How, I mean, how, fear, how fearless she was. And she was supposed to be encouraging other people to do remarkable things and to live their life to the fullest. And then she goes into, and you know what she did, Jenna? She hung herself, mm. hung herself. And she had young children. Now, my point to bringing this up and you know, in the way that I have is because, Jenna, what I want to propose back to you and all, all of you here today is that I think the big culprit here is mental health. Yes. I think you're, well, I'm going to actually make you maybe uncomfortable, but I think Good. your anger is actually your pain. You're, you're sad. And it was, um, it's the, it's the deep pain of, oh my gosh, that, that life was snuffed out. And it's this yeah. deep human ache that we can't even put a name on it. I don't think where it's like, oh my gosh, did you even see your greatness? Did you, you didn't. And that to me, that's what drives me too. Because yes. I was an overachiever in my 20s. I was recording albums. I was a fitness model. I had the football player boyfriend and I was like checking off all the check marks and felt like shit. Like if I don't keep this up, mm -hmm. I'm nothing. That that's that's kind of how Kelly was, Jenna. That's kind of, that's, that's the what attitude I'm Kelly saying. 
the the way she built up her veneer and when i say veneer exactly. it's like the person you show the world exactly. oh let's be fearless and let's do this and it's starting to collapse mm -hmm. and so she just couldn't hold her own idea of who she thought she needed to be up anymore you know like, jenna, jenna i you know jenna when this happened and the phone call came in i was in complete disbelief and quite frankly um I questioned myself for the longest period of time. I wish I could have helped her. I wish I had any inclination because we, I mean, she, she liked me a lot and I could talk to her as I could talk to anybody. And the fact that I was in her company just the week before because she wasn't geographically too far from where, I mean, uh, you know, she was in the state and we had had this uh, meeting about, you know, awesome things about the next year and cool things she wanted to do. And she had just launched her own show. Listen to this. It was called high heels high hopes mm. right. oh yeah and then and then it, again you just go to the platform and search kelly murphy and you'll get you'll get so much positive stuff from her you'll think you you'll say to yourself he he, he was full of shit she didn't commit suicide there's no way i mean you just read yeah. her and read and read the columns she wrote jenna read the column and and listen to the shows when she was on there you 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 talk about you know man i gotta tell you i was blown away blown away at this <laughs> vibrant amazing lady in even in the total complete prime of her life she competed and she com competed and completed three triathlons she was a triathlon Robin williams he he was manic depressive you you know a comedian just amazing human being funny man manic depressive you were talking mental disorders and he hung himself so yeah. you don't know you can't you can't determine someone's uh, worth, and this is where we need to stop doing that as a society. Your worth is contingent on your Iron Man and your show and your this. Right. That saying, when you're not doing that, if you're tired, if you're sick, you're nothing. And that's why these people, I think, it's perpetuating it as well. Because when they're like, oh, if I'm not the funny guy, I'm then not. Everybody the thinks I am. If I'm not that yeah. magnificent super, superhero, yeah. Yeah. And, and so even Malcolm, while you were like, getting very passionate I could feel that it was more pain than anger yes and, and you know we need these and people feel guilty when somebody commits suicide because they feel like they should have been able to see it or exactly. help or exactly. and and, yeah, I and I, too. like and I'm not it's saying so I unfair yeah. mm -hmm. Malcolm did she did she ever leave a note that that you have listen, an idea why listen, she did listen, that listen to this uh yeah no it's it's I hear you pain anger I get it um I I just feel when I asked Jenna the question early on in the production about her dad with and and she answered it in a really good way and saying no I I wasn't really completely taken by shock because he was in a very difficult spot in his life I think about Kelly and she should have it should have never happened some you know how when you say you know how sometimes when you say to yourself well it was that person's time or it should have happened that way because of X or it was meant mm -hmm. to be. Well, all yeah. of those things I cannot say about this young lady. Something mm -hmm. told me it should have never happened. So when she hung mm -hmm. herself that day, listen to this, ladies. Here's the, real, here's the real bitch of this whole story. She texted me two nights before that. And I don't have the text in front of me, but there were signs in the text that I did not see. And the night before she texted, and I did not see the sign. And then uh, she, she did this thing, you know. And I, mm. I, I was so sorrowful. Yeah, it's pain, sure. I wish I had seen the sign uh, that I could have done something to stop that from happening. Because here was this amazing lady 
who I would have never guessed mental health was a problem. She looked like she had it all together. Did she have a couple of struggles? Sure. Who the hell doesn't? It's called life. But it doesn't mean you're ready to take the first exit off the highway and ditch yourself in a ditch. Yeah. Right. And that's that's tough with the kids because they have to live with that forever. Oh, the, the, the service was horrible. I mean, the kids are totally horrible. And the whole thing was, un, it was so over the top. It was unbelievable. So, listen, the impact is profound. The people around her, it was profound. And, you know, could this algorithm thing helped her in that case? Well, if we could have known and got her in to do it, maybe it would have tech, if, if it is having, as they say, Jenna, Linda, Missy here, a 90 some odd percent success, right? Okay, well, that's really interesting. How can this help? I don't know. Does it help the kids in the education system? I'm not sure. Do you make people take this? I mean, you know, it, this is really the troubling thing to me. And the whole thing about, you know, we have this further conversation about, you know, it, it comes back to self-responsibility and it comes yeah. back to, you know, your personal rights. And that's where I think when we talk about Facebook, I, I think I don't agree with that. I think they have violated it all. Whether you're putting things on social media or not, you shouldn't be. It doesn't give some big conglomerate, big tech company the right to prove that you are X, Y, or Z. That's the problem with this world. We've become George Orwell, you know, beyond 1984. We're in the <clears throat> stratosphere of baloney. Well, if we, we – well, let's talk about mental health again because what I yeah. think is – is that there's this stigma. So you wouldn't see her, Kelly, as mental health, suffering from no, mental health issues. No. This is the problem. It's like, right. oh, no, no, but you're succeeding according to my yeah. ideas of success. So I'm not going to be concerned about you. And unfortunately, you did fall into that trap, Malcolm, and we all do. We're like, yeah. oh, no, you're good. You're good. And I have had that. I've had series of depressions and everyone's like, oh, but you're so smart and you're singing. And like, what do you mean you, you feel bad sometimes? I'm like, yeah. are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm not allowed to feel badly because I'm like, whatever, like it's, and so we You're have superwoman. You yeah. Can't that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they, and then, and simultaneously they don't want you to feel bad because they want that, um, you need to feel good. So I feel good thing too. And so we need to start feeling okay with feeling the spectrum of feelings, the spectrum yeah. of emotions, no good or bad, no wrong. It's like, there's a spectrum of human emotions and they happen. And we don't allow that to exist. We are like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I got to get my stuff done. Blah, blah, blah. We, we leave our body. We leave our emotions. And then we're just these heads on Facebook, Malcolm, just like blah, 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 blah and putting up the selfies. And we're not even here. Yeah. I like that friend of mine started something when they see somebody, instead of saying, how are you? They say on a scale of one to five, how are you? Really, really engaging that person to to admit and state, you know, where they are on that. And then he <laughs> looks back at them or responds according to to that. And that really makes it real and the communication authentic. And I think that that's one of many things that we can begin doing. Uh, to, to Jenna's point is, is that stop trying to be something that doesn't exist. Stop trying to be the perfect, you know, model shape that doesn't exist. All the models have been photoshopped. Stop trying to be super woman, super this, because we can't do it all the time. And once you create the standard and the rest of the world is cheering you on, do more, do more, do more, you, you can fall. And, you create your own trap way up right. there yeah you fall hard but yeah. you know i always have this little philosophy for myself that because when i look at people that commit suicide i i i just never understand i i can't imagine the pain that they must go through ahead of doing that in, in their life and and i always think what i what i'd like for myself is if i ever got to that point where i was so depressed about life i mean you can really pick yourself up and 
change your life at any time. And that's the beauty of life. There's, it's just a potpourri of things that you could do and be, and you don't have to be in this one place, in this one house, in this one um, reality. You can change it that's at it, any right. time. So let, Beautiful. Let's, let, let's, Beautiful. Let's, say, let's end it there and say this. That is very well said, Missy. Yes. Right. It, it is beautiful. And here's the reason the, the thing is, ladies, I think you all agree with me. We, we each of us know right now, and I hope everybody listening knows that life is really a gift. It truly, truly yes. is. And yes. we, we really all need to count our blessings. I, I say this to people all the time. I say it to myself all the time. We need to remember the blessings of all of this. And it is amazing, this whole life thing. I'm, I'm tripping on life, which is why people say to me, you know, you know, they, when they realize, Missy, I've never done drugs in my life, is because I'm on a, I'm on a life drug. You understand? Yeah, I mean, you are. <laughs> I'm already tripping. I, I've never done drugs because I'm tripping already, and I don't need that stuff because I'm already, I'm already on a high. Your high would be a mess. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm already on a magic carpet here on this planet. You know what I'm saying? I'm already here, man. So I'm already doing my carpet thing here, and so I never did drugs in my life. Never needed it. So, but you're point? from Pluto. Well, uh, the whole lot of reasons. But, you know, I want to further the conversation with you all in another show about, and something I definitely want Jenna in on this conversation, too, about bullying and a term they're using. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard this term, uh, Jenna and, and ladies, but I, I, I say Jenna because uh, she may have with her clients and stuff. But what I'm seeing the term here in this uh, piece I want to share with you later is called bully side, bully side. I have not heard it before. I haven't either. So it's suicide and bully. So listen to that, ladies. Oh, bully side. Uh, this is a phenomenon. And there was, listen to this, a, a story I want to share with you in another show here. A, a story that I told our producer, Tamara, the other day. A 10-year-old girl, she hung herself after a bullying video was posted on social media. This beautiful little young girl. Friends, we yeah. want to leave it right there. Uh, again, thanks for being with us every day. We've run way over time here. Uh, Jenna Smith, Missy Crutchfield, Linda Martinelli. This is Malcolm Out Loud. To be continued, friends.